We thought 70 to 7 was rock bottom. We may have been wrong. You're listening to the Wildcat Sports Report Podcast. There's no sugarcoating it. There's no looking for a silver lining. Arizona lost on Saturday 21-19 to Northern Arizona. And it is, quite frankly, the worst football loss I can ever remember. And I have been debating with people online, and we can't think of a worse loss, maybe in any sport in school history. I know baseball had a few weird upsets years ago. Um, I think on you know on the Jerry Stitt and things, they lost to some weird schools, even in uh, Andy Lopez. But that's baseball, where if you know one team has a pretty good pitcher who can get really hot, and you know Arizona's maybe using some of their backup players that yeah something can happen and you can get upset i'm sure there's been you know some of the bad women's basketball teams lost some bad games but for the most part it is clearly the worst football loss i can remember i can't remember the basketball team losing a worse game because this is an nau team that is not only an fcs team but was a bad fcs team even after beating arizona i think they ranked 61st in fcs This is not the NAU of 10, 15 years ago that uh, routinely competed for a spot in the uh, top 16 and the the national championship tournament in FCS, which was then Division I AA. This is not the quality of team uh, that came in a couple times early in the Stoops era and gave Arizona a scare. I'm not even sure this is as good as the one that lost like 77-7 to a few years ago. I think Tuitama might have been the quarterback, or maybe it was a Rich Rod team. No, this is a bad football team that was blown out by South Dakota, who was beaten by a bad Kansas team, and was blown out by a pretty good Sam Houston State team. This is not a good football team. And then you combine that with the fact that they were down, they used three different quarterbacks, their second, their third, and their fourth string quarterback, and it's really an inexcusable loss. Uh, if we're going to take a positive, the, the Arizona defense was okay. I mean, I guess we can say that they were okay. They held NAU to about 240 yards, just 92 yards passing. The problem was they gave up when Arizona needed one more stop. They couldn't get it uh, late in the game, and they gave up the second touchdown. They only gave up two defensive touchdowns. But I could also argue that you shouldn't give up that many points uh, to this NAU team. Um, Again, it's hard to complain when you give up less than 250 yards, less than 100 yards passing. But again, this is a team that scored 16 against Sam Houston State and 7 to South Dakota. Uh, So a bad game, by uh, just a deplorable game by the offense. And I think that's where we're going to spend most of our time when looking at this. Yeah, Arizona had 363 yards of total offense they had 257 yards passing however when you look at that you know 66 of those came when Jordan McLeod came in the game and most of those came on that final uh, drive Uh, Arizona comes up short Uh, they actually had a chance to tie the game but uh, the two-point conversion failed it looked like a poorly designed play apparently uh, Jordan McLeod checked down into a play but somehow forgot to tell half the team. I don't know how that works. I don't know Arizona's checkdown system. So yeah, let's just start with the laundry list of complaints. Let me start with this. Right now, the Jed Fish era is off to a bad start. 
If you listen to the podcast, you know I wasn't thrilled with the hire, but I thought there were some things he could do to, to win us over. And with the offseason, he did almost all of it. He re-engaged the fan base. He recruited well. He brought in a host of transfers. You know, he courted the alumni. He's been great in the community. From the day he was hired until the day before the BYU game, I think he did nearly everything right. But I said at the time, even I love what he's done the offseason, but now he has to start winning football games, or at least making Arizona a competitive football team. And I guess you could argue that the Arizona has two one-possession losses, and one is to a pretty good BYU team, but you can't be competitive against NAU. You have to blow NAU out. They also looked abysmal versus San Diego State. So just as I have said, the jury is still out on Jed Fish. Now, I will say this. As much as I don't like what I've seen from Jed Fish, it's too early to write off the Jed Fish era. A, he did not inherit a lot of talent. And frankly, despite infusing with a lot of transfers, not all those guys were impact transfers. And some of those in a year or two, you hope they're not taking guys like that. They're taking better transfers if you're taking transfers at all. That said... A lot of his coaching has not impressed me. The offense is uninspiring. Some of the coaching decisions have been curious. Some of the personnel decisions have been curious. And that does not, let's say, bode well, but it's also way too early to write him off. A lot of the narrative out there is this is a failure, that he can't win. Well, Jed Fish is not static. Just as these players are not static, Jed Fish is still learning to be a head coach. And maybe there's a steeper learning curve than we hope, but let's hope there's a learning curve. Because the Jed Fish you may get in three or four weeks will not be the Jed Fish you got this week. And the Jed Fish you get a year from now may not be and hopefully will not be the same guy. So yes, if this is the guy you're getting three years from now, that's going to be the end of the Jed Fish era. Let us hope that he continues to evolve and learn from his mistakes and count on his mentors to improve things. That said, there's a lot to pick apart, and let's do it. Let's start with the quarterback position. I have never been a huge fan of Will Plummer. Um, I thought he was a fringe prospect coming in. Last season, I was one of the many or few, I don't know, it seems like few, who actually thought Grant Gunnell looked better, with the exception of gun-shy against UCLA, Grant Gunnell, I thought Gunnell was a better quarterback. And I'm not a Gunnell fan. Let's, let's stress that right now. I think Gunnell is just okay. But I think he's better than Will Plummer. And I have yet to really see enough from Will Plummer to make me think he is anything more than a backup quarterback. Um, if you want to look at the San Diego State game, yeah, he led them on a touchdown drive, but he was 8 for 17. I mean, 47% completion percentage. Um, one touchdown, uh, and that was that long touchdown pass. He had one nice touchdown pass against NAU. I mean, all told this season, I mean, he's 29, you know, completing like 55% of his passes, two touchdowns, two interceptions. I just, I just don't see it. And then what I found was curious is that after, and let's not make any mistake, Gunnar Cruz was awful against San Diego State. But I thought he was okay against BYU. I saw enough there that I thought, okay, there's still something to work with. I still thought there was enough. You know, he was 10 of 19, at least, for 70 yards. You know, he threw the bad pick. He had one good long touchdown score. But I thought I saw enough against BYU not to completely write him off. 
either this staff was so good at getting him prepared for BYU and then he can't just figure it out without months to prepare, or San Diego State just threw him some curves that he couldn't deal with. So I think it's strange that all of a sudden Cruz was moved down to third string for this game. Uh, Unless you came out and said, yeah, this is an evaluation period still. But I still thought it was slightly strange. And again, now I'm starting to wonder how Jed Fish and the staff is going to utilize quarterbacks. Because now we could be seeing our third starter in four games. Which again, is uh, maybe not a bad idea. Because I think McLeod showed some things against NAU. But uh, there was also still a lot to be desired. So let's go to this. Jordan McLeod looked pretty good. Now we found out that he rolled the wrong way on a play and took a sack. That he screwed up a check down on the two-point conversion. But alternately, he was 6-7, 6-6 yards and a touchdown. Now, I will say this. I thought NAU looked like they were in a super soft zone. A much softer, or even even if it was man, a lot of cushion that wasn't there necessarily when Plummer playing quarterback. Now, was that Plummer's reads? Was that the defense? Uh, also, alternatively, I would think, I think Plummer went against an easier version of the San Diego State defense in that game. I don't think he faced the same defense Cruz did. But McLeod showed me some things. He found some open guys. He made some plays. His legs may be vitally important against this Oregon defense uh, as Arizona's offensive line is uh, shaky at best. I will say this. Interestingly enough, Arizona's offensive line last year, if you take out quarterback runs, you take out the quarterbacks last year, and you take out the quarterbacks this year, and Gunnar Cruz is way in the negative because of the sacks. And for, so four running backs and receivers running the ball. Last year, they averaged actually five yards a carry, which I was surprised to see. This year, and I'm even more surprised, it's 4.5 yards, so it's not a huge drop-off. Really, the bigger issue is pass protection. And again, how much of that is on the line? How much of that is on Cruz and these other guys? And frankly, let's not, again, let's not pretend that this line is anywhere where it needs to be, but it may not be quite as bad with the run as we thought, but maybe Arizona needs to try to do a better job establishing the run. So I thought the juggling of the quarterbacks has been strange. I'm not impressed necessarily by any of them. I'm intrigued by McLeod. I still think Cruz might be serviceable, but I think we can all agree. I think we most of us have agreed since the beginning that Arizona is going to have to upgrade the quarterback position short-term and long-term, and whether that's Noah Fafita next year, whether that's a transfer from a four-year school, whether that's another freshman quarterback, whether that's a JC, I don't know what the answer is, but Arizona needs to be better at quarterback. But Arizona also, I think, has to be better at putting their quarterbacks in a position to succeed. And right now, one of the complaints I've heard is that Jed Fish's offense is too complicated. And if that is the case... That's on Jed Fish as much as it's on these quarterbacks. Because as a college coach, it's different than the pros. You have to tailor your offense to your talent. And if that means your talent cannot figure out the offense, then you need to simplify it. If that means you're running the wrong plays for the type of talent you have, then you have to change it. Say what you want about Rich Rod. He was very good at tailoring the offense towards his quarterbacks and his talent but his quarterbacks. With Matt Scott, he ran a pass-heavy offense that could utilize Matt Scott's legs. Oddly enough, because of some of the concussion issues, some of the injury issues, and the fact they didn't have a backup, they didn't run Scott as much as even Mike Stoops did. Remember, Mike Stoops ran Mike, Matt Scott like crazy. 
The next year, they bring in B.J. Danker, who was way more of a option-type quarterback, and they ran a lot more. It also helped they had Kadeem Carey. Anu Solomon comes in, and they run more of a hybrid again. Brandon Dawkins takes over. It's, again, a more pass-happy offense with a little bit of running, utilizing his strengths. He, I think, understands the passing concepts better than, say, Khalil Tate did. But once Tate came in, it became a much more run-happy offense because that's what Tate did. So as you can see, you tailor the offense to the guys you've got. Now, that doesn't mean you don't put in your own principles, your own things. But if you got like a guy like Gunnar Cruz who's immobile, then you have to go with the quick passing game. Or you have to boot him out, although, again, he's not great on the run. But if you have a guy like McLeod, then you better be putting more elements of quarterback draws of read option in. Even if that's not what you want to do, especially long term, you have to tailor it to your offense. You know, Will Plummer's kind of in between. But with Will Plummer is a guy who throws a lot of picks, so you have to simplify the reads. Whether that's simplifying post-snap reads, pre-snap reads, adjustments. And I haven't quite figured out, I haven't watched enough of it to understand you know, what Jed Fish is doing. I know Rich Rod had a lot of pre- and post-snap reads. You know, if you run and then the quarterback shades you this way, you go that way, and your routes were always changing uh, pre- and post-snap, and Anu Solomon was very good at spotting that and, and could deliver the ball. Rhett Rod was very good at spotting it, couldn't always deliver the ball. Khalil Tate was not good at spotting it, which is why you saw a lot of those just basic deep throws or, or throwing the ball away, things like that. So that is imperative on Jed Fish to tailor the offense to the talents that he has. You know, you, you don't run between the tackles because you don't have a bruiser running back necessarily who's ready to go. Um, you know, utilize the tight end because you have tight ends. Um, you do not have a lot of big receivers, so you, you're probably not going to you know, throw a lot of jump balls, things like that. Some of that they do. Some of that we need to see more of. We need to see them adjust to using their talent, uh, uh, what they have on the line. And so whether that's a lot of bootlegs, whether that's a lot of deeper drops, whether that's a lot of quick outs, things like that, they need to continue to take advantage of the talent they have because, again, I don't think they've necessarily done that. And they also got to figure out what they're doing with quarterback. And I understand Jed Fish's frustration. He doesn't have great quarterbacks. And I've seen a lot of people being critical of him for that. I think he got who he could get. You know, I don't think he chose Jordan McLeod over a better guy. I don't think he chose Gunnar Cruz over a better guy. Those were the guys he could get. Uh, but now you have to ride with it. You have to continue to develop them and, and, and do a better job there. So what's left for Arizona? On the surface, not a lot of wins. Can they get a little bit better? Yeah, they can. And the Pac-12 is with And that's maybe what is going to be the worst part about this. If Arizona goes winless or even just wins one, this is not a good Pac-12. Uh, I think this is a bad league again. I think really what you have is you have one very good to great team in Oregon. You have a pretty good team in UCLA. And then you have a lot of okay teams and some really bad teams. You know, ASU is okay. I think USC at the end of the day is okay. Cal looks talented, but they can't figure out how to win. But the rest of the league, I mean, Washington's bad. Colorado's bad. Arizona's very bad. Utah doesn't look very good. And somehow Utah will still win eight games, but they don't look very good. You know, Stanford's not what they were. Washington State's pretty extra mediocre or, or worse. Um, so there are teams that Arizona traditionally could get some wins against. But this is a historically bad Arizona team. 
I think this Arizona team is probably worse than any of the Makovic teams except for maybe the last one, and then it's still debatable. Uh, I think this Arizona team would lose by 14 to the last uh, Stoops team that was coached you know, at the end by Tim Kish. Um, the the bottom of the barrel of the you know Tommy teams. I think he had a couple you know sub 500 teams. You know that team in 19 maybe the team in 1991 where they had to play all the true freshmen. The one that, you know, basically they had to play Brewski and Waldrop and all those guys. But George Malu looked quarterback. That lost to Washington 54 to nothing. No, I think they beat this team because they had more overall talent. They were young. They were uh, not ready to play. That's how bad this is. This is the low point. We thought it was last year, and this is all one continuation. So can Jed Fish continue to build this team this year? Can they continue to get more and more competitive? Can they try to find some wins? That's what we still need to see. I'm not ready to write off the Jed Fish era. I don't like what I've seen so far, at least in games and you know game management, game coaching, game plan. Now, I'll tell you, going back to the offense, I think in college football, especially with a program like Arizona, in many ways you need to get gimmicky. I think coming in with a pro-style offense when you don't have pro-style players, in many ways it reminds me of Mike Stoops and his defense. Mike Stoops was a fantastic defensive coordinator. I know people don't want to hear that, but he ran, knew how to run that Tampa too. As long as A, he was facing somewhat traditional offenses, and B, had the talent. So when Arizona had good defensive players, they had good defenses. You know, and when they played more traditional offenses, they played very well. That's one reason he was actually wildly successful. He didn't win. I think he won once. But he played USC tough every time. They usually lost by one or two scores against some excellent USC teams. And that's because USC ran a fairly pro-style traditional offense, and the Tampa 2 works great against it. Oh, but when he had to go against a mobile quarterback, yeah, Isaiah Stanback of Washington, that quarterback for New Mexico, guys who can scramble, who can keep plays alive for more than the three or four seconds the Tampa 2 was designed to do, he ran into trouble. Conversely, that's what I see from Jed Fish's offense. You need a dominant line. You need a great quarterback. You need good receivers. I haven't seen the inventiveness. I haven't seen a lot of plays. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, that, you know, there was one that had this really cool shift, but then they shifted it to the weak side of the field, the short side of the field, and it ended up being a five-yard loss because it was a bad throw. But I don't see a whole lot that really inspires me. I'm like, oh, that's a cool design. Oh, what are they doing there? You know, say what you want about Rich Rod. Rich Rod was inventive, whether it was the read option, whether it was somehow, you know, he just knew how to get guys open. His offenses were fun to watch. When Sonny Dykes was here, that offense was fun to watch. Um, Even, you know, I'm actually, you know, friendly with Mike Canales and know what he wanted to do and was not able to do, but this does remind me of that. Uh, Far more traditional far more just the same thing you're seeing with from 26 of the NFL teams um, you know this isn't the Chiefs with their inventiveness this isn't Baltimore with their utilizing quarterback runs and read option this is you know uh, this is Sean McVay's offense with a little bit lack of imagination now does he can fish put that stuff in is he still getting his feet wet as a play caller uh, are they going to continue to evolve I hope so And if they do, they can turn this around because they are recruiting well. 
I'm hoping they're developing young talent. I know there is a little bit of controversy brewing on the web with some parents or people claiming to be parents are saying, you know, some of the young guys aren't playing when they should be. I know the staff has said that they need to continue to get bigger, faster, stronger. So hopefully they're developing those young guys. Hopefully some of these reports were saying that, you know, guys are getting passed over that shouldn't. I don't know. I don't want to comment on it. I don't know what's going on there. But let's hope they can develop the talent they have, continue to bring in new talent. Because again, if you missed it, Arizona had a big time commit late last week. Arizona brought in a guy who, oddly enough, is a very strange, something I really haven't seen. And that is a guy who is a four-star by two services and a, a three-star in another. And it's kind of not even close. Um, but they landed Tyler Martin, a four-star linebacker who's playing in the Northeast. He was originally committed to Don Brown at Michigan, reopened his commitment, You know, had offers. I, again, don't know how good the offers were, but Nebraska, Michigan, Arkansas, you know, rivals. And I think ESPN both have him as a top 10 at his position. Conversely, I think, you know, 247 has him as a three-star. But again, another well-regarded player who, who Jed Fish is bringing in, or, or hopefully will be bringing in. So again, future could be bright, but a lot of that is incumbent on Fish and his staff continuing to improve, continuing to learn themselves, continuing to evolve. And if they can do that, then this thing has a chance. If they do become stagnant, if he becomes obstinate that his way is the right way and he doesn't adjust and he doesn't grow as a play caller, and if he doesn't continue to develop talent, then this could be a, a failed experiment and Arizona could continue to be mired at the bottom of college football. Because right now, as it stands, they've lost 15 in a row, the longest such streak in college football, Division One college football. They're the only Power 5 team in that, even close to that, the rest of the UMasses of the world. So Arizona's in a bad place. It doesn't look to get better. They get an Oregon team this weekend who is very good. Again, I think they might be a great football team. They have a legit chance of getting into the college football playoff. Now, it would be the most Arizona thing ever if somehow Arizona were to lose to NAU and then upset Oregon, because not only would it you know, be like this one weird, meaningless win, but it cost the league a lot of money. But that being said, I don't see there's any way Arizona plays with Oregon. I think that one gets ugly. We have to hope, hopefully assume, and hopefully that doesn't, you know, make a, you know, what out of you and me, that Jed Fish continues to evolve, that he gets better, that he figures out how to use these quarterbacks, that he figures out how to bring in better quarterbacks, he continues to evolve as a play caller. But right now, the whole thing's a mess. The defense is okay. The offense is a mess. And here's the other thing with the offense, if I'm not mistaken, Unfortunately, I don't have it in front of me. They have, what, six touchdowns? They scored one against BYU, which came on a fairly long play. They scored two against San Diego State, which were on long plays. Scored the three against NAU. And they came on a 49-yard pass. Excuse me, they only scored two. And then the one drive. So they've had one drive, and the rest have been long touchdowns. One drive, one sustained drive, where they were actually able to get a touchdown out of it. In reality, you can argue they've had one good half, the second half against BYU, and part of me is wondering if BYU just got super conservative because they really didn't think Arizona could could ever really challenge them, although it got close. 
you know, BYU was just always in control. So those are problematic things, and those are things uh, that concern me. But let's hope, again, let's hope the Jedfish we see a month from now is not the same Jedfish we're seeing now. Let's hope the whoever is quarterbacking is not the same quarterback we're seeing now. And that a year from now, with a further infusion of talent, with another year to grow, that we see a different coaching staff and a different roster, the one that can win some football games and maybe live up to the promise that we had after a very fun uh, and intriguing offseason under Jed Fish. But until then, it's going to be a long one. It's going to be a rocky one. And for all you sticking by this football team and still listening to this podcast, bear down. <laughs>